The Islanders are set to face the Blue Jackets for the second straight game, and we've got a special crossover episode with Jay Foster of Locked On Blue Jackets. We discuss Tuesday's game, preview tonight's game, and discuss the future of both of these teams that are going to miss the playoffs this year. All that and more coming up on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Sark tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Barzell with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Blue Jackets and the Islanders faced off last night. They face off again tomorrow night, or tonight, I guess, as of the time of you guys listening to this. And so I thought we could do another Locked On uh, crossover or a Locked On squadcast, as a couple of us have started calling them. So I'm here with Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders. Now, the last time we talked, uh, just before our teams faced each other for the first time this season, it was two very different teams than the ones we saw last night, I think. Uh, You know, the Blue Jackets have really been struggling as of late, and the Islanders, who had kind of started off the season struggling, have really picked it up. I don't think either team's going to make the playoffs, which is uh, something we'll talk about a little bit later on, I think. But... uh, First off, how did you uh, how did you enjoy the game last night? I expect you had a lot more fun than I did. <laughs> well, the first you know the first five minutes, I thought Columbus w- had the better of the play. They had the first, I think, four shots on goal. But then after that, the Islanders sort of took control for the rest of the first period, most of the second. It looked like the Islanders were comfortably up four to one, and then uh, third period. Columbus certainly had the better of the play, and the Islanders just kind of hung on. When, when uh, Bovillier took that penalty with a little more than two and a half minutes left, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> not, not this again. You know, uh, uh, The Islanders sort of have had a, a penchant for giving up goals in the last minute or so of periods this year. And I know Columbus has had a lot of come-from-behind wins and, and, and what have you, so – I think Islanders nation was sort of holding its breath, but they did manage to hold on. Um, good game for the Islanders for the first two periods, but the third period, uh, it's like they took their foot off the gas and stopped skating. And Columbus certainly, you know, took advantage and got back into the hockey game. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I was I was just looking up the, the shots, actually, just before we, we started recording, and I didn't realize. I think the shots in the third period were like 16 to 3 yeah. for Columbus. And I was like, because it didn't, it felt one-sided, but sometimes I think f- things feel one-sided, but they're not actually that. But 16 to 3 is a pretty sizable, uh, a pretty sizable gap. Um, yeah, you, you say Columbus has a lot of come-from-behind wins, and I think that, you know, you can look at that as a good thing or a bad thing, you know, because if a come-from-behind win means they were losing for most of the game, you know, and they've 
managed to find a way back into it and win the game, which could be a good thing because they won the game. But also you've got to look at like, well, why? Why does this team need to come from behind? I think literally a third of their games this season have been come from behind wins. I think they lead the league. It's like 22 games this season have been uh, they have been a come from behind win. Um, so I didn't love the game in general. Uh, the the goaltending, which I want to talk about a little bit, and it's probably something that we're going to talk about significantly in the uh, the kind of preview to tonight's game that we do in a little bit. But uh, I think the goaltending struggled. I think the goaltending has been struggling for a while. Uh, and I mean, there's various reasons for that. But chiefly, I think I don't think Elvis is 100% healthy. And I think he's playing injured. I think he's been playing injured for a significant part of the season. And I think in the off season, it's going to come out that, yeah, he needs like major, major surgery for something, which is stressful and uh, not ideal. And it makes me, it annoys me when like you, everyone's like, oh, let's get to the, the end of the season and see, let's see the injury list. Like, and then it's the playoffs and it's like, oh, so-and-so had two separated shoulders and a broken lung and someone else's foot fell off in the third round and he kept playing, you know? Um, <laughs> but that's a, that is a, a whole other, a whole other thing for, uh, for a whole other podcast. I didn't hate a lot of the game last night. I thought it was... I think that they, they they had a good effort to like you say to try and come back and I think there was a was it Patrick Lyon I took a penalty with like forty five seconds left yeah. and I think okay that was maybe the the nail in the coffin but yeah when you start the third period down four one and then the game finishes four three I think yeah you've got to kind of you got to respect the effort and the the tenacity. I guess because it would have been very easy for the Blue Jackets to just kind of roll over and die, which is something we've seen them do a lot this season. Uh, so yeah, you have to kind of credit the the mentality of okay, we're down three goals, but we're not out yet. Um, and also, you've got to love Vladislav Gavrikov scoring two goals in one game because he's our only defenseman that actually plays defense. And that first goal, I like, I watched it happen, and then I realized who was like where on the ice, and I believe. The the three players down low were Jack Rosovic, who is a centre, fair enough, and then both defencemen were about six feet away from the net, and then the two wingers were like up on the points covering them, which was just extremely, extremely funny. Uh, but yeah, that was that was my personal favourite moment of the night. I think was that opening goal by uh, by Columbus. What were your thoughts about, you know, you didn't have your regular head coach. Uh, how, if at all, do you think that affected things? And what are the chances he's back for the the game Thursday night? I mean, Columbus is notoriously tight-lipped about uh, injury situations or, like, uh, coaching availability and stuff. Uh, I, it kind of came out of nowhere. I was really surprised to, to not, see, not see him on the bench. Um I think he'll probably be back, but I also wouldn't be surprised if if he's not. Um, which, and again, that kind of causes. I think that probably is not like a cause of the of the loss. But when you look at like Columbus is a young team on the ice, but it's also you know relatively speaking, it's a very young coaching staff as well. Um, it's you know two guys that were AHL assistant coaches are the NHL coaching assistants now. And obviously this is Brad Larson's first year being a head coach 
in the NHL. So I think it's uh, even, and you know, when you take that out, you take this relatively young head coach out, you've got two very inexperienced assistant coaches running the show. And I think that was maybe that kind of had probably something to do with the, the loss, but not entirely to do with the, with the loss. But uh, yeah, it was, I don't know. It was, it was a tough game to watch. I think um, it was very, like you say, you, you that that penalty was preferred Beauvillier at the end, where you were kind of like, "Oh no, this obvi- obviously this is how how it ends." Like, <laughs> is that something that you've seen a lot from the Islanders this season? Obviously, you said that they allow a lot of goals in the final period, but in terms of, and I feel like I've seen a lot of talk about Beauvillier taking needless penalties this season. Is that something that you think is starting to become a pattern? Is that a team thing? Is that a Beauvillier yeah. thing? They've given up, the Islanders have given up a lot of goals in the last minute, minute and a half of periods all season. And it's a momentum killer a lot of the time, especially if it happens, you know, you're playing well in the first period, you, you know, you're up two to nothing through, you know, 19 minutes, and then you give up a goal in the last minute of the period, the momentum shifts, they come out in the second period and the other team has the momentum and 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 sort of takes over the tone and the and, and the pace of the game and you're on your heels to start the second. It it has hurt this team a lot. And lately, you know, Bavillier a little bit, he's taken some foolish penalties, but the guy who was in the box a lot for the Islanders lately, and it happened again last night, Casey Sezikis. And uh on Twitter, you know, it was like Fans were saying to me, oh, Sezikis is back home. He's in the penalty box again, you know. And uh, and that's unusual because, you know, Casey Sezikis, yeah, he's on the fourth line, but he's not a dirty player. He usually is, you know, physical but clean. And he's taken a lot of penalties in the last month, mostly because I think he has – he stopped moving his feet and all of a sudden, you know, things that in the past would have been just a forecheck or, or a, a, a body check end up being a hook – uh, because he's not moving his feet and they're, you know, being very uh, observant about hooking and, and, and that kind of a thing lately. So I don't know. They, they take a lot of foolish penalties and they give up those last minute goals and it's a momentum killer. And it, it has hurt the Islanders over the course of the season. There's no question about that. Yeah, the Blue Jackets are really in the same boat, I think. You know, I've been joking a lot this season about how uh, the Blue Jackets have taken a lot of penalties this season because they're like, well, we're not afraid of the head coach anymore. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, with Tortorella gone, I think there's there's not that fear of if they make a mistake or if they take a dumb penalty, they're going to get stapled to the bench. So I've been joking about how they've been getting, you know, four four years of ice crime out of their system uh, yeah. and have just taken a bunch of a bunch of penalties. And the Blue Jackets also allow a lot of goals in the last minutes of periods, first minutes of periods and last minutes of periods. That's when mm-hmm. the Blue Jackets love to allow goals. Um, but these two teams seem really similar, like on a on a base level and also kind of an under underlying level. Apart from, I think your is the are the Islanders still the oldest team? Yeah, in the league. Yeah. If not, they're very close. I believe they're I think, average like, age. Zdeno Chara is bumping that average way up. I think. Yes, but uh, <laughs> the youngest team versus the oldest team. Uh, but we're gonna talk about something else that they have in common in uh, in just a minute, and we're gonna talk about missing the playoffs. For uh, for the Blue Jackets for the second year in a row, and for the Islanders, this will be is this their first year missing? 
first year they made it the last three years so yeah yeah so it'll be an early summer finish for both teams and we're going to talk about that in uh, just a minute first i've uh, got to tell you about bet online because after months of playing college basketball has finally determined the top teams for the final four and will determine this year's national champion this coming week and if you want to put some money on that then betonline.net is the place to go for it it is your number one source for all your betting needs and sport information. And from all the latest odds, contests, and player props, they remain the best spot for all of your latest sports developments. They've got podcasts, reviews for all of the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information needs, including live betting, your favorite Vegas casino games. They've got baseball. They've got basketball. They've got hockey. They've got UFC. They've got boxing. The Frozen Four is coming up if you uh, pay attention to NCAA hockey. You know, you can put money on that if you wanted to. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action of all of those things because Bet Online is where the game starts. So, I didn't think the Blue Jackets were going to make the playoffs this season. I don't think anyone did. The Islanders' play this season has been a little bit more of a surprise, I think. Maybe, like, I don't know if it's a surprise to people who are kind of more in touch with the team, but I have always seen the Islanders as the better of the two New York teams, and they seem to have kind of flipped flipped this season. So where do you think the, the Islanders are in terms of getting back to the playoffs? Is this just a like a random down year? Like I remember Tampa Bay had that one year where they missed the playoffs, I think in like 2014 or 15, and then got a really good draft pick from it and then have kind of, you know, soared to the top of the league. Is that kind of your thinking where the Islanders are? Or is it a case of, okay, this is kind of the start of, is this the beginning of the end, basically? <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't or think... much less melodramatic, you know? Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's quite the beginning of the end. There is still talent on this team. This was a, a rough season. A lot of weird things all happened at the same time, especially in November and early December. They started the season with a 13-game road trip because their new arena wasn't ready yet. Then they had uh, COVID hit the team where they were minus eight players. That's half your roster. They only had one of their top six defense. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> one of their top six defensemen available for uh, like five or six games in a row in November. They went 0-8-3. Then they come home to the new arena, but there's no home ice advantage because they're not familiar with it. And then one of their top two defensemen ends up, you know, supposed to be out four to six weeks, ends up being eight weeks. You add all of that together, and it was just impossible to overcome the 0-8-3 late November, early December swoon. The other thing is, I think the Islanders, you know, two years ago they traded Devon Taves. This past year they traded... Uh, Nick Letty. That's two puck-moving defensemen. Who did they replace those two with? Zdeno Chara. Now, Zdeno Chara is still a, a a decent defensive defenseman, but at the age of 44 or 45, he's not skating the puck out of his own zone and starting the rush. He, he is not the transitional player that Nick Letty was a year ago. So they only have one defenseman who's really adept at moving the puck in their top six, and that's Noah Dobson. And Dobson, while he's playing very well lately, you know, he's still learning the NHL game. This was a sort of a breakout year for him. So I think that those factors really caused the Islanders to stumble 
early in the year. Since everybody's gotten healthy again, they have been playing better hockey, let's say the last two months since since I would say the Christmas holiday break. But by then they were, you know, too far out of the playoff picture to really get back into it. And, you know, they went, I, I believe it was 8-1-1 one, and one in their last 10, but Washington also went 8-1-1, one, and one, so they didn't gain any ground. And it's very hard with the loser point in the NHL to make up a double-digit deficit in points in the standings. So if they make the right moves, this team, I think, in the offseason, they need to get a puck-moving defenseman, and they need to get a 30-plus goal scorer. If they have add those two things, they can be right back to the team that, uh, made the conference final the last two years and maybe even go further than that. How about the the Jackets? Where do you see them in their development? You mentioned they're the youngest team in the league. So, you know, how far away are they in your mind from playoff contention? Yeah, it seems really weird to say, like, considering where they are in the standings, you know, they are, I think they hold the spot just, I think they hold the last spot just outside of the, the wild card uh spot so like fifth in the in the metro division at the minute and it seems weird to say this but the only way from here i think is up i don't see it i don't see this team getting worse unless yaba kakalainen just fully loses his mind in the off season but you know a, a, basically it's and again sounding melodramatic it's gotten as bad as it was going to get for the blue jackets i think you know losing your captain nick felino losing your number one defenseman Seth Jones, losing a former 40-goal scorer in Cam Atkinson. You know, two years ago, we lost a uh, future number one centre, Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, and we've picked up some really good pieces in return. Obviously, Patrick Laine is ruining lives out here. You know, he's, I think he's got 50-something points in 45 games. Uh, he missed two months with an injury, and I did, like that, that does suck because I wonder what his season would have been like if he hadn't been injured. Um, but that's that's kind of beside the beside the point. The Blue Jackets are going to be a better team next season than they are this team than they are this season. I think they're gonna get um, guys like probably Kent Johnson. I think is gonna come former fifth overall pick. Uh, they're probably gonna get uh, Kirill Marchenko over from Russia, who's very very highly uh, comes highly uh, recommended or regarded. Uh, you know, they they probably are, they don't have Max Domi's contract anymore, so that's you know five million in cap space. I don't think they have any big contracts that they need to sign in the off season. Uh, there's really only well, there's there's Patrick Line, but he's already making seven and a half. So I imagine I wouldn't be, I would be surprised if he gets more than a couple of million a year raise. You know, which is easy to fit into this this cap situation as it is. You know, so. The, the Blue Jackets are doing all of the right things. They are trending in the right direction. It's just, it's very strange because they, I think they over, overachieved this season. You know, I wasn't necessarily expecting them to be in the basement of the, of the league with, you know, the Arizonas, but I would not at all have been surprised if they had challenged for that first overall pick. Um, and I mean, they're still, they're still in the, in the running for that, I guess, but the to kind of to wrap up my very long-winded and convoluted answer uh yeah the blue jackets i think they i don't necessarily know they make the playoffs next season but i think they are better next season um i think if the goaltending can stay healthy because that would that really has been the problem 
for for the goalies, which I think we're going to talk about in a minute when we uh, we look at tonight's game. If we had been able to keep one of our goaltenders healthy for more than a month at a time this season, I think it probably the 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 team's record would look a lot different. Uh, I think I don't think Corpusalo is here next season. I think Corpusalo goes uh, in unrestricted free agency. So if we can find a reliable backup for Elvis that can play maybe 20, 30 games a season, give Elvis the bulk of the work, and Elvis can kind of find his groove that he had at the start of the season, then I think the Blue Jackets are in a really good, a really good place. Definitely uh, an up-and-coming team. Are you concerned he's been overworked? I mean, especially lately, uh, you know, with the goaltending injuries and everything else that's been going on. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I well, I was already suspicious that he wasn't fully healthy. He left a game a couple of weeks ago. I think it was it was against St. Louis. He left with like thirteen minutes left in the period. Apparently, his back locked up when he made a save. And like now that I am kind of on the brink of thirty, I understand what it's like to have back pain basically every every day of my life. You know, so um, you know, and then Copesalo played. I think one game after that maybe one or two games after that, and then the team shut him down for the season with a hip, a hip injury. He's getting hip surgery, uh, which worries me a little bit because he's the second goalie in the organization to undergo season-ending hip surgery this year, which makes me worry that there's a fundamental issue with the goalie coaching staff that's causing these kind of these kind of injuries. Um, but anyway, so they shut Corpus Allo down and... I was like, well, Elvis is coming back now. Like, they're not going to shut both of their goalies down. They probably should. Like, the season's lost at this point. Like, what do we gain apart from ruining our draft stock by going on a hot streak for the end of March and the start of April? Um, so that's that's kind of that's uh, worrying and also annoying. Um, and yeah, I do think Elvis is being overworked. I think we probably see him tonight i wouldn't be surprised if uh if they if he played tonight i would like them to play Barube tonight because again what have they what have they got to lose but the fact that they played elvis in both halves of a back-to-back this past weekend team lost both games but like and i get that he's just starting goaltender but i don't understand this insistence on starting a guy who is not 100 percent two games in the space of like 28 hours or whatever it is when the playoffs are not on the line you know like if, if you don't want to shut them down for the season fine but i feel like i worry that they're going to do more harm than good than mm-hmm. this yeah you don't want them to get more seriously injured that's for exactly. sure exactly uh but i think and i think that's what we're going to talk about in a minute actually we'll uh we'll take a look at tonight's game we'll look at what the islanders need to continue doing what the blue jackets needs to do better uh, that is all coming up next on this crossover edition of locked on blue jackets and locked on islanders and so uh yeah again i feel like this is like the third or fourth time this season that the blue jackets have played the same team back to back in the space of like two days two or three days uh so at least they'll be familiar with uh with each other but what do you want to see from the Islanders tonight? Is there anything that they didn't have on Tuesday that you want to see from them? What aspects of the game from Tuesday do you want to see them carry into tonight? 
Well, I mean, the way they played in the first two periods was solid. And, you know, we have some very hot players offensively right now in Brock Nelson and Anders Lee, especially. Those two have been really playing their best hockey, I would say, over the last three weeks or so. And that's something the Islanders need. One problem the Islanders have offensively, there aren't enough guys who like to shoot the puck on this team. Bavillier, Barzal, these are, you know, good offensive players, but they pass first. Josh Bailey, same thing. So finally getting Nelson and Lee healthy and shooting and scoring consistently has been a a, a big plus for the Islanders. I want to see more of some of the younger players, your Kiefer Bellows, uh, your Oliver Wallstroms. I would like to see them get some more ice time because – same as the Blue Jackets, the Islanders are not going to make the playoffs barring a real miracle at this point. Uh, obviously, I, I, I'm assuming uh, because it's not a back-to-back that Simeon Varlamov will be in goal unless Ilya Sorokin is miraculously healthy. They don't really want to play Corey Schneider, who was the backup last night. Uh, and more importantly, from an Islanders perspective, they can't let up like they did uh in the third period where it looked like the islanders were standing still and the blue jackets were skating circles around them they can't be chasing the puck uh in their own zone for 15 minutes out of a 20 minute period that is not a formula for success especially when you've got you know your patrick lanes on the other side of the ice uh uh you know taking those kind of shots with regularity and so you know those are some of the things they need to do differently uh, and got to cut down on the overall shots against. You can't allow 45 shots in a game and hope to win too many of them. You're really relying on your goalie too much. And, you know, the Islanders often do allow shots on goal, but they tend to be from the perimeter or from further away. Last night, too many of them were from down low. So that's something that needs correcting as well. How about for you? What do you see the Blue Jackets needing to do differently? And, and what did you like that you want to carry over? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would like to see more of the third period. Honestly, I would like to see just a consistent 60 minutes together at this point, I think. Like, that's been the Blue Jackets' problem all season has been they've had periods or even they've had two periods, two and a half periods, where it has been, oh, everything is clicking. This is the this is what this team should be doing, you know, they, and then they've got, you know, a period they fall apart, like um, against the the Penguins earlier, earlier last week, they played a really good first and third periods. And then in the second period, they allowed four goals. So, you know, if they could just put together three good periods at once, like, I think I would be happy with that at this point, you know, consistency is, is key. Uh, I would like to see again. We've talked about this. I need, I want the goaltending to be better, but I don't. I don't know how that's possible at the minute because you know, like we've we've talked about, Elvis is clearly not one hundred percent. So I think it's unfair to point at him and say this is the reason the team is losing. He has to be better because I think it's going to come out in the off season that he has some kind of debilitating back thing that is uh, kind of that was you know hindering him all season. Um, so maybe they start Barube. Barube had tremendous success earlier in the year when they were forced to play him, when both goalies were ill. He went, I think, three and one in his four games and had a save percent. I think he had a save percentage of like 930 in those 
in those games, you know. So maybe we see Rube and he does another kind of magical performance like he did earlier in the season, but I don't think that's worth betting on. So uh, I guess maybe, yeah, goaltending, I would like to be better. Less, uh, less playing, um, how do I want to phrase this? So they had 45 shots on goal and three of them went in. Like, obviously that's partially due to impressive goaltending from the Islanders, but you've got to be scoring more than that. You know, and it's, it's, you've got, Patrick Laine has had, he's been on fire and it's so frustrating, again, to see him pass the puck. And, you know, there was, there was a really good post-game quote from him after about the first uh, Gavrikov goal where someone asked if he was shooting that puck for the rebound. He was like, no, I don't shoot for rebounds. I shoot to score, you know, and that's exactly what. So it's like Patrick Laine has, I think he's, He's slowed down in terms of scoring goals. He's been racking up assists pretty frequently over the past couple of weeks. If he can turn his goal scoring back on, then I think it's a a completely different team when Patrick Leiner is scoring goals. Uh, I would love to see Oliver Bjorkstrand play exactly the same game as he did on Tuesday, tonight. uh, Because again, I just, I feel like he is, and I've been banging this drum for like three years now. He's one of the most underrated forwards in this league, I think. You know, everyone, no one talks about him. And then you look and he's got 25 goals this season. You know, like that that is a hard, that's a hard thing to do in this league. And he does it basically without any help. So, you know, I would like to see him have a really good game again. I thought he was one of the, the bright spots in uh, in Tuesday's game. But apart from that, I think just, man, maybe just don't go down 4-1. I know they almost pulled off the comeback, but I just once I would like the Blue Jackets to win a game where they did not have to come from behind. Little details, right? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Should be a good uh, one tonight. hmm? Should be a good one tonight. Uh, Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. uh, Like I say, hopefully it is more fun for me than than Tuesday's game was. Before we finish up, I am going to ask you, because I feel like I asked you this last time, uh, and neither of us got it right. Final score and game-winning goal scorer. What is your prediction? Uh, I'll go with Islanders 3, Blue Jackets 2, and I'll go with Anders Lee for the game winner. How about you? I'm going to say, I think the Blue Jackets bounce back. I'm going to say 4-2, to two, Blue Jackets. But I think there's an empty netter in there, so basically 3-2. to two. Uh, And I think... Game-winning goal scorer. Let's go with. Let's have fun. Let's go with Cole Sillinger for the <laughs> uh, for the game winner. Um, but that is uh, that is all from us. Uh, if Blue Jackets fans want to catch up on the Islanders, check in on that team before tonight's game. Where can they find you and your show? Uh, well, it's Locked On Islanders, wherever you get podcasts. And then uh, you could follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles. And you could follow me on Twitter at Ice Wars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. How about you? Uh, if you? I mean, I cannot in good conscience recommend paying attention to the Blue Jackets at this point in the season. <laughs> but if you would like to, uh, you can find me over at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. 
you're watching on uh, YouTube, then it is down at the bottom here. If you would like to know how to spell it, because my name is a nightmare to spell, you can find Locked On Blue Jackets uh, wherever you get Locked On Islanders. We are at L O underscore Blue Jackets on Twitter. Uh, before we finish off, uh, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We really appreciate it. Whether you are a first time listener or a regular listener, Locked On Blue Jackets and Locked On Islanders is free and available on all podcast platforms and also on YouTube. And uh, until tomorrow, make sure you stay locked on. All right, that's going to do it for this special episode of Locked on Islanders and Locked on Blue Jackets. want to thank Jay Foster of Locked on Blue Jackets for joining us and uh, sharing his insight. Thanks for making Locked on Islanders your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked on Fantasy Hockey. Host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow to preview the weekend's action, including another game against the Rangers Friday night. And we'll have our Islanders birthday today and hopefully some updates on the health of Ilya Sorokin. All that and more coming up on tomorrow's show. Until then, stay safe. Have a great day, everybody. And of course... Let's go Islanders.